Welcome back to Foraging Storytime. No, this is a Wild Edible World podcast. I'm just one of your hosts, uh, Michael. And this episode, you can call me Maitake Michael. And I'm Steve, of course. Old, old, old Sheephead. Old Sheephead Steve yep. on these parts. <laughs> Welcome to uh, episode Hen of the Woods. Hen of the Woods, yeah. So this is kind of, uh, it's. this is not, this does have partial wood worldwide woodwide <laughs> worldwide distribution yeah, so worldwide this is wood a really popular mushroom in Japan uh, and it's really popular here in America as well but it only grows on the eastern half of the continent mm-hmm. so sorry Colorado and westward sorry anywhere west of the Rocky Mountains this ain't for you sorry suckers but anytime you're over in this region um, and you can buy them obviously yeah you can absolutely you can order them online buy them you can it, still get them in stores it's actually really funny that you said these are huge in Japan because they're literally huge yeah <laughs> up to like a hundred pounds of peas yes. in Japan massive mushrooms so we were discussing like we om- this is our favorite mushroom and then I was like well wait we said that about chanterelles and yeah everything's our favorite mushroom it is yeah <laughs> Because you can't get chanterelles right now. Yeah, you can't get them. But you can't get Hen of the Woods in the middle of spring either. Yeah. So this is my favorite mushroom for the season. These are my favorite mushrooms. I like right them better now. than Chicken of the Woods, too. They're the king of mushroom, arguably. So, yeah, maybe there might be a little bit of confusion among some listeners about the difference between Chicken of the Woods and Hen of the Woods. So Chicken of the Woods is Latoporus sulfurious which is like candy color candy corn colored orange yellow really bright colors hen of the woods is griffola frondosa and is uh blooms at the base of trees almost like a flower like it has petals like a giant umami flower yeah and it has so it has this base this central core structure as Mm -hmm. opposed to chicken of the woods which grows in fan shapes yeah and so Hen of the Woods has this core structure, and it grows at the bottom of trees. It never will grow up at the top of a tree or no. anything like that. It's always parasitizing the root structure. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the key fact, uh, features about this plant. Um, it is a parasitic, or I guess I, I say plant, I meant mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, it's a parasitic mushroom that grows at the base of hardwood trees, mostly white oaks. But uh, there are places where it's really, I really like red oaks. Yeah. So just kind of hardwoods in general. It does what it wants in some places. So uh, you can find it around the world. It grows anywhere through the late summer through the fall. So right now we're uh, that's exactly where we are. Where we are. We're recording uh, at the beginning of September, and we're just on the cusp of it kind of maintaining about 70 degrees a day. It's been kind of cloudy for a couple of days. It has, it has. And the hen of the woods are already out. Yeah, buddy. I was thinking we might be a little preemptive with this one sometime. You know, we try to be a little preemptive, but mm-hmm. uh they're I think they're out a little earlier than usual. Yeah, this 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 past Saturday. I mean, if you go look at my recently recent for, foraging foray, you can see uh both the chickens and the hens. Uh, I, f- I found this past Saturday, and man, just some just some beautiful specimens. And it's that time of year when you can find just so much out in nature. So this is like oh my gosh, yeah, uh, pounds of mushrooms, yeah, and different kinds too. I yeah. mean, you saw chicken of the woods and hen of the woods in the same day, yeah. So they there is a bit of overlapping 
growth period for these. I think Chicken on the Woods is just about on its way out. Yeah. You're going to find the last specimens here in the last couple of weeks. Um, by the time this episode comes out, actually, it might be pretty much done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you found fresh specimens of both, which yeah. I guess is why it's important to at least reemphasize the difference between the two colloquial names because they are both describing the same bird. Chickens and hens are the same, right? Yeah. Okay. You, hen, you, hen is just a, a, you know, like a female. Yeah. Okay. Just asking bird. the chicken owner. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't have same chicken, thing. Though. Yeah, I have chicken. I'm a chicken, uh, I'm a chicken tender. Oh, <laughs> yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> so a little bit more describing this, uh, the shape of this mushroom or its its you know key features is that it's a polypore. So what that yes. means is that it doesn't have gills on the underside. So you're going to notice the color can vary a little bit, right? I've found oh, anywhere sure. from brown to gray. Mm-hmm. Some of them almost have like a felty appearance to the top of them. Some of them are really flat and uh, almost corally. Yeah. So, uh, but they, the, the, they all grow the same basic way where there's this core structure and it's blooming upwards and out like a flower from the base of a tree. And whenever you flip those sections over, you're going to notice there's no gills. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's a very flat surface. I think even with uh, pretty fresh specimens, it's they're they're micropores. Mm-hmm. So you can't see them. The only evidence you're going to have of spore dispersal is the coloring on the top parts of the mushrooms that are under some other parts of the same mushroom where they've spored on the top of their, yeah. you know. Rolls downhill. Rolls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, again, yeah, you can... How many, so you've mostly found uh, more than one. Anytime you find one, yeah. you can basically... They, they spread really easily, and they're parasitic. So if you find one in a forest... It's definitely spread. Yeah, very often mushrooms beget mushrooms. Yeah. Beget mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, so oftentimes you're going to come away with like 10, 15 pounds of this mushroom for sure. So much, yeah. It's ridiculous. I I I found probably three or four uh, different different, uh, mushrooms, different, you know, mushrooming spots. And I only took one because the others were just getting started. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the one I took was probably close to five pounds. Nice. Just one beautiful, beautiful mushroom. Super fresh. Yeah. Um, they're pretty bug resistant too, honestly, I think. Yeah. I don't really see that many. I don't really have issues with uh, bugs, worms, stuff like that whenever I find my maitake. So, yeah. um, so on top of them being so large, what the, their texture um, is very meaty. They're very meaty. These it, are like, uh, it's, I think they're a great option for like mushroom pulled pork. They they just like they shred sure. and peel really easily. Yeah, they're one of the greatest, easiest mushrooms I think to dress, like just clean and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like the little, uh, like the layers, the little, like brackety. Yeah, the they, petals they, they, of the they, flower yeah, the petals, per se. Sure. Yeah, they pull apart just incredibly easily. Super easy to clean. Um, and then all the stuff that's left over usually. So you break off these tender bits, the flower petals, and then yeah. you're left with this core. Um, that is still a great piece for stock. Like sure. I love. So uh, I guess we'll we'll breach into the second side a little. The just second little, half of the just a little nugget, well, just a little bit because we were talking about, and I was really excited to hear about this because I don't have so much experience in cooking as you do. As far, I mean, you're professional, so. You were saying you would make a stock first, yeah. like you have two two batches, right? So if I'm looking to make like a really, like just 
umami bomb, like unctuous, like mushroomy, delicious soup or stew or something along that line. So I'll I'll take the petals and I'll use that core uh, for my stock. So core and the ends of onions or you know just little leftovers that you have in the kitchen and just let that go low and slow for a long time to extract as much of it out as possible. And then that other stuff, you, or once that's done, you strain it, um, skim anything off the top if you're a skimmer, uh, and then that the, all those bits, compost or whatnot, and then the petals is what I I'll like pan roast or, or saute or something, and I'll add that to the soup. So it's a way of extracting the flavor from that core, and then adding like that fresher texture. Uh, because after you you boil something for so long, or even slow cook something for so long, it falls apart, especially if it's something non uh, without like a muscular. Uh, uh, texture to it, like sure. a, like a piece of skirt steak or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so. Uh, that's that's how I that's how I like to do it. I see, and I love that advice. Stock so tip. Definitely going to be doing that because normally, yeah, I would uh, not not be so. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I kind of cook simply recently, but uh, I think that pretty much sums it up um so they're like firm meaty texture uh they, what does it taste like it's pretty nutty it's got uh some earthy flavors mm-hmm. but it's um like you said it's kind of just like general umami mushroom yeah, man it's so damn good yeah this I is think my, it's this it's is my favorite <laughs> fall mushroom <laughs> yeah seriously. late summer fall mushroom for sure yeah no there's there's a running list of like top five mushrooms of all time for all year and they all kind of they all have their pros and cons. I don't know. Would you say Hen of the Woods has any cons? Like, is there anything you don't like about it? No. <laughs> Zero things. Um, it dehydrates well. Yeah. It's, it's it just, freezes really well. Yeah, it freezes great. Absolutely. Uh, no, it's just awesome, man. Okay. It's just such a good mushroom. Yeah, so this is one of the perfect mushrooms, I think. Except no. for the fact that it parasitizes trees. Yeah, for that so yeah, yeah. Um, whenever you do find it on a tree... You can tell that that uh, tree is pretty much dying, like yeah. is on its way out. Um, you can find them on recently dead trees. So if a tree has died and fallen over mm-hmm. um, within the last two years, you can actually still find maitake at those stumps um, because they're eat, they're living off of the roots that are still kind of you know dying out. Little this by is little, actually so. a really good mushroom for a beginning forager. Oh yeah, because there's no toxic lookalikes. No, no, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, you can find other things that look like it. That um, aren't but as delicious. That aren't as delicious, yeah. but they are still edible. So some of those things, yeah. just to make sure we mention them, black staining polypore. Yeah, that's the Or first. Um, what's the other polypore? Uh, it's not black staining. It's the same polypore. It's just not black staining. So they, But they look kind of the same. Black staining polypore, I think, is going to be the more similar lookalike because it will have those dark features. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I can't, I'm either way they're edible. They're just maybe not yeah. quite as tasty. Yeah. And they're not what you're looking for. They're going to be growing in the middle of the forest floor as yeah. opposed to directly at the base of a tree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my best advice for finding them is just pretty much walk down spend a lot of time in forest, pre- or, you know, natural trails. And when you wink, do wink, <laughs> and look behind trees, you know, and like they're hiding from you. You have to look for play hide and seek. <laughs> you, I'm telling you, it, if you, if you look at, 80% of a tree is going to be in that last 20%. Like, you have to look around every little yes. nook and <laughs> cranny, man. I'm telling you. There's been so many times that I've walked around a tree and then 
like not maybe not seen walked around the whole tree just thought hey i probably saw it from the other side and then i come back the other way on the trail and i'm like mother effer yeah you know <laughs> you remember specifically yeah. looking at that it's tree. right there is it the one one place i didn't look yep the blind spot Frickin so hands. be a safe driver out there and make sure you check your blind spots <laughs> exactly um but yeah uh, i think that'll bring us a, to a good conclusion for our first half one last little tidbit oh, when great. you do find them drop a pin those suckers come back sure. for multiple years in a row exactly. and, until they they take all the nutrients from that tree in which case uh they'll they'll move on preach yeah thank you yes all right we'll see you for the second half yep Thanks for coming back to the Wild Edible World podcast. I'm My Talkie Mike. Sheep said Steve. And we just wanted to remind you that tomorrow night, Thursday, the 15th, September 15th, there will be a free event. We're hosting a free event at Bubble House Brewing Company in Lyle, Illinois, where you'll have a chance to um, get some free pours. And if you're sober, that's fine. You can come and have some coffee. They have really cool coffee options. Or not drink at all. That's fine. It's a free event. You don't have to buy anything at all. Mm -hmm. You can just come hang out, support us. We'll give you some stickers. Yeah. And you can learn about spruce tips, elderflowers, um, their nutritional benefits, not just how to use them in brewing applications. Um, But then there will also be a and a where you can ask us whatever you want about foraging. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time. So please show up. That'll be tomorrow, September 15th. 6.30. p.m. Central Standard Time. Don't show up at 6.30 a.m. That would be weird. There will be no one there. Yes. So, um, we'll start off the second half officially with some nutritional info, I think. So, this is a heavily researched mushroom um, for medicinal benefits. Um, it is, like I said, really popular. It's heavily studied. So, it's got a lot of really cool nutritional information. Um, they know that it's packed with vitamin B2, which is like really good for your skin and your eyes. And it has one of the highest natural levels of vitamin D. Yeah, so much vitamin D, yeah. which is great. Yeah, natural occurring, so it doesn't even have to be growing in the sun. So yeah. you can boost that further if you have the option of sun-drying it. That also infuses it with even more vitamin D. So it's like a vitamin daily vitamin right there for you. Yeah, it's like, hey, tree, thanks for all the vitamin D. Yeah, Hashtag parasitic. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true, exactly. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, so it's got 4% by weight protein on average with all nine amino acids, too, which is like that's the pretty best. cool. I mean, this yeah. is... That's so cool. That's something that's a huge issue is you know getting the full spectrum of aminos uh, if, you don't, if you're not a meat eater, if you're, you know... Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, seriously. So cool. It's a great tool. Um, do you have mineral like mineral content? Yeah, all? I have some stuff. Uh, well, we talked about vitamin D. To get specific, it is two hundred and eighty percent in a hundred gram serving of your vi- of your daily. Oh vitamin wow! D. Yeah, it's a lot. Two hundred eighty percent of your daily value. That's, yeah, so wow. you're like Shit. 
vitamin D bomb. Superman, uh, powered by the sun. Exactly. Uh, vitamin B6, a little bit, 5% of your daily value. The, the rest of it's not super... Not super interesting. There's nothing really that stands out. It's not a huge protein powerhouse, but what this is big in is flavor, man. It's sure. so tasty. Yeah, I think that's, you know, a lot of those amino acids like yeah. coming into play. Um, I have a little bit of research here um, showing that it's been studied for a bunch of anti-tumor properties. Oh, cool. So they actually are working with extracts to improve the effectiveness of chemotherapy mm -hmm. for other treat and, and some other treatments for... Uh, a variety of cancers so not only chemotherapy but it's also um you know other treatments and then one last thing is that as far as like medications and research that it does show to have a little bit of in interference with moa inhibitors because of compounds that are inside of the maitake mushroom so just be a little bit of mindful um, whenever you do try new foods or like wild mushrooms you know a lot of this food that we talk about is uh, medicinal you know it's delicious mm -hmm. and it's really fun to eat it's it's fun and all that but it's also medicinal there are a lot of compounds and extracts that have been made from the nature around us so it's always good to just be a little bit a little bit more knowledgeable about that uh, I think that wraps up the nutritional side of it. Yeah, just so. about. Just just a, a little, a little, we... a little fun fact that I oh, yeah? that I read. Uh, maitake actually means dancing mushroom. Yeah, <laughs> and it's because of people finding it and then dancing with joy. Yeah, it's a Japanese is, word, yeah. which is very similar to how I react. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's how popular it is in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious because when I find him, I'm like, "Fuck yes!" Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Do you think that motorcyclist is excited he, about? He probably just found a Mayataki, yeah. or didn't, and he's a. Oh, just, he was so angry. He was just gunning yeah, it. Exactly. He's just jealous. Uh, but no, it's yeah. They dance for joy because of how healthy it is and how big they are. Like how much food it provides. Sure. Like of course, I can completely imagine dancing for joy. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite Japanese words. Is Mayataki. Dancing mushroom. Yeah. I love that fact. So, let's see. How have we eaten it? Um, we Like we discussed, it dehydrates really well. It freezes really well. So, I've had a total abundance of it and then used some of it and frozen it. And yeah. then brought that stuff back later when I found more. Mm -hmm. And I made like a whole wild mushroom galette. Like a big wild mushroom pie. Yeah. Just, just mushrooms. And that was fantastic, you know. It was... You know, it's it's so it's it's such a cool thing to have because, like I said, when I found that one this weekend uh, or a couple weekends ago, um, I uh, it's it's a lot. It's like f four and a half five pounds, so you can do so mm -hmm. many things with it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you actually get to try a few different things. But like a lot of the times, I can find some interesting plants or some cool mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, and frequently, you just don't really find enough to be able to try a lot of different things with it. You just kind of have your one shot. And a lot of the times, like I said, I kind of eat so sort of simply sometimes. So it's just going to go on a pan with some uh, fat yeah. and salt. And I'm going to be happy with that. For sure. You know, that's one of my favorite ways to do it. But whenever you have such a huge abundance, you're almost forced to be creative. I like mm -hmm. that, you know, breeds ingenuity or whatever, you know, no. when else do I find enough mushrooms to be able to make a whole pie exactly. out of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. You only get to make pies out of berries, yeah. but no, I'll make a wild mushroom pie with this. It's mm -hmm. amazing. It sounds so good. I'm actually a little bit hungry right now, so that's 
That sounds wonderful. My, my favorite application for this, and this is just like, like you said, normally it's just saute, eat it alongside of a, a steak or something. I don't sure. Know. But, but I like to take, like do that, that same approach to like stew or just making a very flavorful, flavorful broth with uh, some of it and maybe hit it with an immersion blender uh, and then add more mushrooms after that and then serving that over a piece of steak or, or something, you know, just something... It's just so good. It's, I could go on. It's the I best. Love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, there's you can make it into a big gravy. Uh, geez, yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically what I like to make is a, yeah. is a nice mushroom gravy. Oh. oh, so good. But I mean, I think just like a pretty interesting thing to do with it too would be to like dehydrate it, especially if you like have a ton of it making it a nice like mushroom salt or something you know oh, dehydrating yeah. it and like blending it with some like really good salt um that way you kind of like have the built-in umami bomb with your salts i'm absolutely doing that that sounds wonderful yeah excellent stuff so that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this episode. One of our favorite mushrooms that we have to, once again, rein ourselves in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I hope you guys are inspired to go find some yourself because there are a ton out there and they're out right now. So do that. Come do Go it. find some mushrooms. Come talk to us about it at the, at the free event that we'll have tomorrow night mm-hmm. and tell us all about it or ask us about it. Please? We'll see you soon. Hopefully tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wild Edible World Podcast, where we find the best food, man. The best mushrooms, trailside, curbside, and low tide. Thanks for listening. Bye.